Hey there, and welcome back to this episode of On Thriving with me and my friend and astrologer, Chris Journey of Journey Woman Astrology. We're here today to talk with you about the astrology of March 2023 from the lens of the goddesses, the asteroid goddesses, the dwarf planet goddesses, just the goddesses in general. So we hope you enjoy this episode. So Chris, welcome. Thanks for being here with me today. Thanks, Taylor. It's great to be here. As, so, as yeah, so March, really big month, yeah? It's a big month. What are your first impressions on. like about the month? It's the beginning of a new, new era, a new age. Yeah? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that the next the rest of 2023 2024 we're going to get little hints little tastes of it and then i think 2025 really significant shifts probably for for a lot of people and for the world and when we say new era like what do we mean well so pluto and aquarius you know i i've listened to some astrologers who say everybody just calm down it's not gonna be that big a deal but I, I honestly think it's going to be a big deal. Mm. I really do. Um, you know, I, I looked at Pluto in Aquarius going all the way back to the birth of Christ recently and, um, you know, just for fun and, um, (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, and, and there are significant shifts around these times, you know, this is, the great age of, of exploration and uh, colonialism, unfortunately, in the 1500s. Um, this was, you know, the French and American revolutions in the late 1700s. So I, I, I really think that we are on the cusp of a, of, a, of a technological age and potentially major shifts in, in power. And I, I hope power to, toward the people. Um, I hope that world governments take a significant uh, turn in the direction post Capricorn, um, you know, turn in the direction of uh, of real humanitarian um, governance. Yeah. So because we've got outer planets shifting signs over this year and the next couple of years, that's what we look for as astrologers in terms of talking about eras and ages and shifts in consciousness or society and things like that. And Pluto is moving into Aquarius, not just in the next couple of years, in this month. And it is the first time it's been in Aquarius for 242 or so years, something like that, uh, over 200 years. And then we also have Saturn moving into the sign of Pisces, which we'll talk about. And that happened last about 27 years ago. It uh, takes 30 years to go through the whole Zodiac. So that's a two and a half year cycle that we're starting. And we're ending not just a two and a half year cycle with Saturn being in Aquarius, but really a five year period era, uh, pandemic-ish era, like pre and post pandemic with Saturn when it was in signs, it was very comfortable and at home in when Saturn was in Capricorn and Aquarius. So it spent two and a half years in each sign that adds up to five. That's why the shift into Pisces for Saturn is a pretty big deal. Uh, You know, it's always a, a deal when Saturn moves, but it's a bit more in this case because 
it's had a long time being nice and comfy, uh, making us be mature and take responsibility and isolating us and things like that. So we've got a couple highlights for the month that we want to talk about. So maybe I should just like high level run through them and then we could take it week by week. Let's do it. Awesome. So the high level highlights to look out for on March are March 3rd. We have the Jupiter Venus conjunction in the sign of Aries. So we're going to maybe see some big love perhaps, but we'll get into more details later. Then March 3rd, closely following that, we're going to have the Venus Chiron conjunction. So healing in relationships potentially in the sign of Aries of the individual. March 7th, Saturn moves into Pisces. That's what I was talking about before. March 11th, that's the end of the second week of March, we have Jupiter meeting the wounded healer Chiron, the fire we tend to, Vesta, also meeting up with Venus, goddess, and goddess Eris, who is this destructive sort of uh, almost, I think, Kali-ish, sort of like the eight hands of destruction sort of goddess energy. So really big potential for healing uh, on a soul level kind of thing. Then starting off the third week in March, March 14th, we have uh, the goddess Pallas, Athena, the warrior, making a difficult square challenging aspect to Jupiter. So our need to expand and our need to strategize coming into, uh, into uh, relationship with one another. And it's also going to be there with Chiron, the wounded healer, and Again, that sacred uh, fire we tend to for ourselves, Vesta. March 21st, this is going to be the fourth week. Is that fourth fourth week of March? The next week in March, uh, we're going to see Venus meet up with Juno, the goddess of partnership, the north node of our fate and our destiny. And that's going to happen at five or six degrees of Taurus and that same day, the sun is going to move from Pisces into Aries. So we're going to have this shift from like spacing out into wanting to take action. And just two days later, we see Pluto making its enormous tectonic shift into the humanitarian communal sign of Aquarius, bringing us blazing into the future. And all month of March, we're going to see Ceres, the uh, goddess of the harvest, but also grief, you know, that that maternal grief of when the, the children leave us or are taken from us, being retrograde, pulling focus in the sign of Virgo, where we have an energy of being of service, developing expertise. We want to heal the world uh, as well, especially in, in terms of how we're nurtured. And that's going to move from about four degrees of Libra to 27 degrees of Virgo. Uh, we've also got a full moon on March 7th and a new moon on the 21st. So that full moon's in Virgo with the sun in Pisces and the new moon is going to have uh, both the, the moon and the sun uh, at zero degrees of Aries, which is the first of two new moons in the sign of Aries. And we'll talk about the second one, which will be an eclipse in April. So that first week of, of March, Chris, uh, we've got that Venus-Jupiter conjunction and then a Venus-Chiron conjunction. What are your thoughts on that? This is interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, I've seen people say, um, 
always oh, uh, February is all about love. This is one of the most romantic days of the year. And I'm like, well, hang on. Because uh, <laughs> this is what happens if we don't think about Chiron, right? And uh, we just leave it out of the chart. Um, it, it turns what is, in fact, one the most lovely conjunction in the zodiac into something much different, potentially much different, uh, with with Venus, Jupiter, and Chiron so closely aligned uh, right at the beginning of March here. Um, I I think that we're looking at maybe um, themes of of tremendous celebration, of happiness, of bliss, of joy with Venus, Jupiter. Uh, but there's potential for something much more profound going on um, with Chiron. What, what do you think? Yeah, so it's interesting that you talk about Valentine's Day because we, you know, on Valentine's Day, the sun's in Aquarius always, and the sun is now in the sign of Pisces. So Aquarius is can be detached. It can be very let's just look at the facts of the situation. And I care deeply, but I may come across a little bit scientific in how I show you care or how I deliver my message. And it doesn't mean I care less. It's just not having that bedside manner. Whereas Pisces is deeply emotionally feeling. So having the sun in Pisces brings in that higher love and compassion. And so I think that's what you're talking about in terms of like romance and all of that. And Venus is about our relationships and Jupiter expands everything it touches, which literally can translate to big love. And then the next day with Chiron, it's all happening so close together that I think we're going to feel it all mushed together, especially with the Piscean energy that we have with Neptune, which is like the water and osmosis being in the sign of Pisces, which is more watery osmosis. And um, I completely agree. I think that's going to be really hard to tell the dip, you know, take apart these three, these two different conjunctions, or basically it's a triple conjunction. Um, and, you know, I think too, one thing that's really interesting is to think about how does this intersect with an individual chart? If people want to look at where where is this Venus Jupiter Chiron happening for them mm -hmm. in relation to their own chart, because um, this they're happening at uh, 12, 13 Aries. So so should we do you want to run through the signs quickly, just like the houses? Maybe maybe if we just do what, what's trining, what's sextiling, what's square and obviously Libra's opposite. So if you have anything at 12 to 13, 11 to 14 Libra, this this, this triple conjunction will be opposing that point. Um, uh, and then the square will be. Yeah, so so let's just break that down. If, if uh, you have something and it's opposing something else in astrology, the way that we look at that is like, Right now, you and I look like we're side by side on the screen, but in a way, like I'm looking at you and you're looking at me, right? It's like you're sitting across the table from someone. And so if you are a Libra and you're sitting on this side and that Venus, Jupiter, Chiron is what you're looking at, it's got its own ideas. It's got its own uh, sort of, uh, um, what do you call it? Like agenda. It's got its own thoughts, feelings, emotions, needs, and then you have your own. 
So if it's your son, so, right? Yeah. And, and, and I, I think that's, I just think it's, a, it, so say someone has their son at, at 12, 13 Aries and 11, 12, 13 Aries, 14 Aries. Um, and so this Jupiter Venus Chiron conjunction is opposite that sign. I think that that's one of the ways that's going to be really helpful to think about this conjunction because it can mean so many things. Uh, I think it's really important to look at it in relation to individual charts. Um, this sort of broad blend of, of maybe something really expansive, really exciting, really lovely happening with Venus Jupiter, but maybe it's mixed up with healing or needing to let something go. And so that's why I think is it, it might be helpful for people to hear, well, to look at what is it interacting with in their chart? Um, because yeah, the, the opposition square um, could feel much more activating than a sextile or trine, which would be, could be very flowing and very supportive. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, the signs that are sextile, so that would, so if we're talking about Aries, the signs that are sextile, the Aries are Aquarius and uh, Gemini. So two air signs. So air signs bring us information. And then Libra, another air sign. So we get an opposition and then two sextiles from the air signs. And so that would be anything between 11, roughly 11 to 14, Gemini and Aquarius. And you know what's interesting? If you think about that, if if you're an air sign and fire is pulling focus, what is the relationship with fire and air? If you light fire in, in a closed container, it sucks all the oxygen. It eats up all of the oxygen, right? It burns through it. But, um, but if you add air to fire, it allows the fire to grow and burn hotter. So I wonder if for the air signs, what we're going to see is sort of, um, you know, for the Libras, it's more of like sucking away some energy in order to fuel someone else's fire. And with Aquarius and Gemini, the feeling is more of a mutually beneficial, let's keep the fire going. I'll feed you my air information, uh, my connections, my relationships, and, uh, and, and you get to burn brighter as a result. And that's, the healing that comes uh from it in that way because chiron does invite us to heal yeah i i um and so the we talked about sextiles and then trines would be just so trying we, to be more fire right so we'd have like leo uh, and then we'd have sagittarius as the signs that are trying and so it's like fire and fire and fire and and what what you get when you get a trine is one person starts the fire and that's aries so aries is the spark and then you get leo who's like let's keep it going and then you get sag who's like let's make a lot of little fires everywhere and spread it around <laughs> so that's how it'll work so if you're a leo you get the spark and you you kind of help keep that spark going and if you're sagittarius you're going to use that energy to like really spread it around get that knowledge going. Uh, and, knowledge and that's where it's a, a trine in particular, I think the trines and the sextiles say, let's just say if people have their, their sign at uh, 11 to 14 Sag, 11 to 14 Leo, um, uh, this this Venus Jupiter Chiron trine, they have their sun or their moon at their, either those, those points. I think it's going to feel really lovely. I think that that, it, it, and the sextile as well, because, 
the Venus Jupiter is very supportive. So you're gonna there's gonna be something that makes you feel very good around this time. Um, and then the the Chiron with a trine or a sextile is going to be um, a, a sort of gentle, profound healing, I would say. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. And yeah. then we've got the squares, which are going to be Cancer and Capricorn. And so if you are a Cancer, that's a water sign, very emotionally focused. And so someone might irritate or agitate with that fire of Aries and kind of boil your water, <laughs> right? Like hot tea coming in. Uh, and it, it might, maybe that sort of like spilling the hot coffee makes you react it doesn't feel so great, but it does get things going and makes us be more cautious about our feelings and about our impulses. And then on the Capricorn side, you've got an earth sign. And so, you know, when earth and fire come together, it's sort of like a drying out, right? Like a desertification, like let's, let's do some purification here. Um, it was, I'm a little burned out maybe from, from doing, from all of the doing that's going on. I know I'm feeling that I'm a Capricorn. Yeah. <laughs> well, so Venus Jupiter square, say someone's sun at 11 to 14 Capricorn, this could feel like super activating. Jupiter square, the sun is a huge project. This is a ton of energy unleashed, you know, early March. And, and then Venus square, the sun is, it makes you look good. Right. This is it. You're looking great. Uh, with all this work you're doing, Capricorn. Um, <laughs> but but the Chiron square, the same point, can feel like there's a challenge around healing um, or uh, potentially confidence or um, some kind of obstacle uh, that feels profound at the same time. And so this could be um, one foot on the gas, one foot on the brakes, or maybe um, something's going really well and then something else feels challenging. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, remember that the Venus Jupiter is a short-term transit early March, although it could be a point of significant shifts, transformation change, really positive things could be happening in early March. Um, and then the Chiron is a longer, longer term. This, this one has been going on for months. Yeah. So it's almost like a little sweetness comes in to, re to relieve what's been going on in the long term, uh, a little respite almost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I, my hope is that it's, it's overall a combination of, of celebration of love, love and healing. Um, yeah. And for, solutions really. All yeah. Some solutions. Um, so Anything else you want to say about that? I feel like we've 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 covered it fairly well, and 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 it, I and I do think it's nice to have that 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 caution with Chiron to say like, hey, you know, this Venus Jupiter is awesome, but but watch out for just just maybe great, you know, to have a little bit of caution with the Chiron. Yeah. And also just like, if things feel really big right now, they are really big and it's okay. And acknowledge that and feel validated by that and know that it will pass. This too shall pass. Um, and it's just a moment in time to bring it to your attention. So, so that's and overall, I do think it's a, it's a going to be, it's a lovely time yeah. with that caveat to, to think about how it's inter interacting with individual charts. Absolutely. And I will just say that 
uh, at the same time, we're having Mercury meet up with Saturn. And so there is a tone of a little bit of seriousness or a little bit of, you know, being a little bit more, more mature and responsible in our thoughts and feelings, words, actions, uh, you know, contracts, commitments, and things like that. So that's another potential that can come out of this. Yeah. And if we, if we tie this in to, um, you know, some of what we'll talk about in a little bit, what's going on later in the month, like the Venus Juno North Node conjunction, this could be about relationships shifting, healing, maybe letting go of a relationship. Uh, cause we've got this super commitment, romantic commitment oriented thing going on later in the month. Um, so this could be a period of, of joy and, and happiness while also there's some bittersweetness. Um, and, and that Mercury Saturn is, I think, making us serious. And, and, and I think actually we could move to March 11 and talk about that Jupiter Karan Vesta, because to me, I'm curious to hear what you think, but to me, that screams like, um, getting serious about what we want and what we value mm. and, and and the mercury saturn at this occurring at the same time as this being stupid chiron feels like a similar vibe yeah so i think so why don't we just mention um you know when you're talking about letting go of things i'm i'm seeing you know march 7th we have saturn moving into pisces but uh we also have a full moon in virgo and on a full moon we release and so that's why Whatever has triggered this first week in March that feels nice, that feels healing, it's almost like we feel whole enough to say that we're going to let go of the things that we need to let go of. Saturn does ask us to let go of things. And so Saturn moving from Aquarius into Pisces is saying, you know, you've had two and a half years, you've had five years of Saturn in its own signs and in Capricorn and Aquarius. And now we're moving into Saturn and Pisces. And so what are the lessons that you've been learning over the past two and a half years? And what are you finally saying, I'm ready to let go? And then the full moon comes, it is the same day and it's like time to release, right? And then uh, and then March 11th, yeah, let's talk about that. So well, just a couple points about that March 7th full moon on like the Uranus is training it at, at 55 minutes closely trying and sex trying that full moon um sex on the sun and so that's another lovely sort of like fresh winds of change are blowing through everyone's lives this is a this is a try new things experiment and how is this square exactly square vesta on that full moon zero 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 yeah um so that's really interesting because that's like palaces detachment insight wisdom squaring Vesta which is what we hold sacred and so it's like you know getting almost clinical about what do we need right now what do we really value like that pros and cons list and really um, yeah yeah what do you think I mean yeah so if you've got palace you said palace square Vesta yeah palace square and Vesta on that full moon exactly zero yeah. So yeah, the work. goddesses are are looking at each other and palace it, you know, palace helps us with our strategy and Vesta, the way I look at Vesta is where we tend to our sacred fire, like a room of one's own, where we want that or the home and the hearth literally. And so somehow whatever strategy we're working at 
is not helping us tend to our sacred fire and it's also or maybe what's going on with tending to our our sacred fire in our home and our hearth our sacred place whatever that is to you um it's it's needing to change or the changes are somehow making us rethink our strategy but uranus at what we call the point of Thales, when it's sextile which is like a holding hands and skipping and trying, which is like a waterfall uh, energy that just flows very easily. It's saying inspiration, sudden inspiration, some sort of enlightening thought comes to mind, or I just decide to change my whole living room around. <laughs> and then I have to deal with the consequences of the rest of my strategy a little bit later. Yeah, and, and sometimes the square, the square with Palace Vesta could be uh, just an intensification of those energies. So mm -hmm. Palace gets more intense, that Vesta gets more intense. So it could be just about, um, you know, really applying the Palace's insight and detachment to um, Vestian themes. Yeah. So I don't think that they necessarily have to be at odds. It could it could be an intensification of the conversation. Yeah. This is more serious. This is very serious now. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. March 11, what what do you think? Jupiter, Chiron, Vesta. They are conjoining at the same time in Aries, at the same time that Venus joins up with Eris a few de degrees down the way, also in Aries. March 11. Yeah, I mean, a literal interpretation of this is the expansion of attention to our our potential for healing made aware to us through our uh our our sort of like our sacred passion project almost, or like somehow our pain has expanded into our home or somehow our potential for healing is, is, is feeling really big at home, right? Or our home is bringing us big healing. <laughs> or like what we're, what we're devoted to, what we're passionate what about. We're devoted, yeah. And, um, and especially uh, like our relationships coming into the equation. And I think it's also like Venus Eris is frenemy energy, right? Because Venus is our friends and Eris was not invited and she started some stuff. So that's like our frenemies really becoming our friends and healing over some of that in order to, and maybe it's because like, you know, if part of your passion is like a new spiritual devotional practice that you have, like maybe you're healing the relationships that have felt frenemy-ish or difficult, or, you know, you're, you're not going to troll on Facebook or, or you're going to deal with the trolls online differently now <laughs> because it's impacting your passion. Like I've seen a lot of people come off of social media because they're like, I just can't, whether it's a troll or it's a fake account or something like that, you know, astrology or whatever their business is, is their sacred passion project. But this 
thing, this troll, this frenemy, something has just made life uncomfortable and difficult. And they're like, I'd rather not be here. I'd rather go over here to my sacred space where like I feel safe and protected. Well, in Venus Eras, I, I love the frenemy interpretation there. It was great. But but uh, but also Venus Eras could be, you know, giving us the the energy to stand up for ourselves against whatever is wounding us, whatever is standing in the way of what we most value. This is like, to me, this is a very assertive vibe. And Venus can turn Eris, um, uh you know, Eris's ability to to just um, be assertive can can make Eris um, instead of aggressive assertive. So it's, this could be about setting boundaries, about um, saying this much and no more. You know, I I've had it, and this is how things are going to be from now on. Thank you very much. You know. <laughs> I and, like that. We need you know, more of that right now. We need more of speaking truth to power and having the courage to stand up for one another. And also Venus is like, it's in our relationships and it is our friendship. So I think it's, it's not just standing up for ourselves, but like maybe standing up for one another. Yeah. 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 And, and I've been saying that this Aries Libra Venus Mars energy that we have through the whole year it's about exactly that. It is about coming together as a collective, especially with Pluto moving into the collective sign of Aquarius. Mm -hmm. And Pluto is about power and it's about our collective power. And so this could be a foreshadowing event that happens, especially about women's rights. I love that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and so uh, on, the, on the less serious level, I look at this Jupiter Chiron Vesta and I think, uh, renovating an old house, mm. a big old house. Chiron oh, heels, best is the home. Yeah. Um, so it's a great time to buy an old house and fix it up if you're into that kind of thing. I happen to be, but um, but also, you know, I also look at it and I think this could be about really seriously considering needing to think about what what we value with best of. Um, needing to uh, being confronted maybe with choices about what we love uh, and and uh, and then with that Venus heiress I would hope having um, I completely agree one possibility is is somebody starting a fight around that around those values and but I think that also we can use that Venus heiress energy to stand up for ourselves um, set firm um, and uh, and appropriate boundaries kindly with Venus, but firm with Eris. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that you bring up a great point with fixing up an old house. I just saw a post on Instagram today that in Tucson, a motel was sold to a soup kitchen to become, to be used for housing for people who use the soup kitchen. Yeah. And I, when you were saying that, I could see that Perhaps someone in Congress who is known as a shit starter or a shit stirrer or something, even though they're not, you know, it doesn't mean that they are, but that might be a perception of them, especially someone who's female identified or feminist identified stands up and says, uh, it's time to pass a law that we think about how we repurpose our spaces and use our spaces for our healing 
and re-beautify spaces. I mean, I, I'm thinking of, uh, and I, I don't have the chart in front of me, but um, Lyndon B. Johnson, La Lady Bird Johnson, right? She wanted to put the roses on the side of every highway. It's almost like that, but I think it's more meaningful. And it would be really interesting to look at the timing on that because the last uh, time Chiron was in Aries was in the 1960s. So mm -hmm. there could be some correlation here between like laws that beautify the country and um, and a woman standing up and saying, you know, I'm here to I'm here to make the world a little bit more beautiful in terms of our physical spaces and uh, and this energy that we have going on. Yeah. And we do have uh, some significant court rulings coming up. We've got the, the abortion pill in Texas and we've got the Supreme Court looking at student loan debt forgiveness um all coming up in the next in early march so that's and uh, debt forgiveness is a is a chiron return thing every 50 years chiron comes back to the same place if you look back at the bible if you look at um you know we called it a jubilee a debt jubilee uh, right. we called it a pentecost so these are and chiron and aries is what the united states has made has in its uh inception chart and so that's why now is the time for that sort of a thing to happen. The question really is, are we ready? Have we matured? Have we done the Saturnian work that we need to do to get to the next level of healing and of maturity and used our Uranian energy and also our Jupiterian man-made laws in order to get there or are we not quite ready and we have to start this 50 51 year cycle all over again till we get mature enough yeah and i i uh i do think that this could be connected to relationships as as well you know uh do you think that we're just because it's in march 21 has this really significant Venus Juno North Node conjunction. And I think that relationships like new, you know, choosing love to me, that's about moving the, 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 the North Node is a destiny, the direction forward, the way of growth. And uh, so that's about choosing love uh, to me. And, yeah. it's very, and it's about, it's about that commitment, Venus Juno. So yeah, I think that this, uh, I guess that's the fourth week of March, that this Venus Juno North Node, sometimes when we see the North Node, there's two ways of interpreting it. The North Node means we get too much of a thing, or we want too much of a thing, or it means we've never done this before. We don't quite know what we're doing. It feels kind of new. We haven't had an example of it. And so we're having to start from scratch. And Taurus is the second sign in the zodiac. So what we're looking at is sort of toddler energy. You could think of like Taurus, you know, if, if Aries is the infant, Taurus is sort of the toddler. It's like a little bit older. It can wobble, but it can't quite walk across the street with the terrible shoes. Yeah, no. terrible shoes too. <laughs> it's very Taurian. But it's yeah. also about like our resources. And so, and it, it is helping us to resolve some of the nodal eclipse energy that we've had over the past year and a quarter. So we've had eclipses in Taurus and Scorpio for a year and a quarter. So that's December, 2021, I think is when, when we started with this energy and it's helping us to resolve and end that story because it's asking us, how can we rethink 
our most important relationships and partnerships to make them a little bit more beautiful, but also what are the resources for us? What are the material financial resources that we need in order to improve how we relate to one another? I think attachment styles, right? And that brings us towards that South Node in Scorpio that's sort of like pulling us to look at the muck and the really oh, difficult emotional stuff. But like, how do our resources support our need for healing on a psychological level as well? And so perhaps the- What do we rely on? Yeah, I love that attachment style idea with this, you know, in Taurus. What can we rely on? Who can we trust? Mm. Yeah, and and who's supporting us? And so if we're talking about the laws and stuff, because we've got Palace the week before, we've talked about- maybe are, my, are my basic needs being met? Are my basic needs being met? Exactly. And, and if not, like, you know, is there a law that we're going to talk about that needs to change in order to have that happen? What I think is interesting also with the Venus, you know, North is when we think about that in relation to individual charts, that's at five Taurus. Um, uh, and that's happening, all, that's almost exact on the March 21 new moon in, in Aries, um, that new moon at zero Aries. And so that Venus, Juno, North Node conjunction happens on the same day that the sun moves into Aries. And so I feel like there's kind of a story here about making choices. Uh, and this has been going on since January. Remember we had that, that Jupiter Juno conjunction. So I was thinking about relationships, like are my needs being met? Um, you know, what am I committing to? Am I, am I involved in something that I, I am, you know, are my feet in concrete or can, can I get myself, you know, like, am I involved in something that genuinely fits me, feels good? Uh, and, uh, and, uh, so the sun in Aries, it almost feels like that March 21, um, new moon. This is like, this is a, this is moving on. This is something has been, um, processed and, and considered and deeply thought about around, around the middle of the month with that Jupiter power invested conjunction. And then March 21 feels like a new, a new chapter. Because when we think about that Venus, I'm saying Venus Juno North Node in relation to an individual chart, those three points, say they're aspecting someone's sun, to me that says the, the direction forward here is about what's making you feel good, what you're ready to commit to with Venus Juno. That's this is the this is the direction of growth now with the yeah. North Node. And I'm reminded of, I believe it's Carl Jung, Maurice Fernandez, if I'm remembering correctly, on Facebook posted about this a few weeks, maybe even months ago, hard for me to keep track of time these days, where Carl Jung had a wife and had a mistress, I want to say, or, you know, a second partner. I don't remember all the names and all the exact things, but I believe what was going on was a nodal uh, relationship in Jung's chart to both of these women. One was to Venus and one was to Juno, if I'm remembering correctly. And so one was a Venusian partner and one was a Juno partner. And Juno is the wife, but she's the wife who had to deal with a lot of infidelity and stayed loyal. So it's how are we loyal? What kind of partner are we? And on that North Node, it almost feels like a choice between the relationship that feels good, Venus, and the relationship that we're loyal to and we become a partner to, Juno but somehow we're feeling unfaithful or we're feeling like uh, we're not being faithful enough to it. 
uh, or we need to rethink what fidelity means, what partnership means. I also got this image of the trophy spouse, like rethinking that whole thing or just bringing that back into the collective conscious. Like, remember we did this thing and it was called a trophy wife. It was, you know, a trophy spouse. Like, what was that about? And almost like rethinking and being, and like being like renegotiating. We're not doing that anymore. Or it could be about monogamy. And, and yeah, I, all, all of those possibilities I think are very real, but I also being the opti sad moon optimist over here, I want to think that the Venus Juno conjunction is about combining love and commitment. Yeah. You know, Venus I is like love that. and romance, Juno commitment, that there's a way to move forward that can, can combine them all. But yeah, we may be looking at choices to make in order to make that happen. But yeah. With this, but, but I also with, think, yeah. sorry. No, I was just going to say, I, I do think that with this, this March 21 new moon at zero Aries, and the sun moving in Aries right that day, that th th there's a choice point here. This is like springing into action. Yeah, and, and also I think the the one last thing that I'll say about it is I wonder if one of the things that we'll bring up is the ways in which our uh, legal structures around marriage and partnership have or have not provided the financial and material support that we actually need to truly care for ourselves and one another. Uh, where the gaps are and where the opportunities for change are. So maybe around taxes, we're approaching tax time in the U.S. So perhaps that's something that comes up, um, you know, that we're these individual units of families and we need to think about how we can be more communal and collective to care for one another. But, you but do how, how can relationships shift uh, to accommodate like dual income working families, which yes. are the reality vast for the vast majority of people now exactly exactly yeah. so yeah. yeah we do have this new moon which is at zero degrees of aries on march 21st which is asking us to think about who we are as individuals and seed something new grow that new seed of who we are and our uniqueness and honor that right yeah yeah at the Aries point. Yeah. So big changes in the whole world, really big news happening on that one. And then that news will surely be followed up upon when we get the second new moon, which is an eclipse at 29 degrees Aries. So mm -hmm. what date is that again? Just uh, that's going to be April 19th or 20th, depending on your time zone. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then on March 23rd, we have Pluto moving into Aquarius. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to be there very long. What, what, like three months. Not not terribly long, but it's still very exciting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because it's it's the our first taste of of um of power to the people. The next 20 20 plus years. Yeah. Yeah. And and this is really about collective empowerment or what do we see on the opposite side of collective empowerment in order to push us towards the fact that we need collective empowerment right june 12th it'll be back into almost the rest of the year but but i do think chat gpt ai 
uh, th these are the kinds of things that we see when Pluto is entering a new sign. We, you know, we see the news headlines at this ingress reflect, you know, some sense. I think they're an echo. They're they're a foreshadowing of of what the, what Pluto and Aquarius could look like. And we've got this this huge jump forward in AI with ChatGPT. I, I think it's just going to be one of the themes. Of, yeah. Uh, so the, the empowerment and proliferation of technology and changing and transforming on a, like in tectonic ways, our society to empower the collective to, to, to have a voice and to make a better future is the high side of it, I think. And to, um, you know, it's also about collective wealth. I think that's why we're seeing a lot of talk about communism, socialism, and it's important for us to think about and talk about ideas as ideas and not as names and not as titles and not as labels because, and I think that Aquarius, Pluto and Aquarius will help us to tear down labels and names almost in a a Taoist way, like that which can be named is not, <laughs> can never be or whatever the the quote is, it's like, we need to stop naming things and labeling things and talk through ideas as a whole, because we actually are usually aligned and talking about the same thing, or at least we can contribute to the building of a better world if we were to hash out the details instead of fight about the definition of things. Yeah, I love that, about seeing our commonalities um, as, and respecting differences, appreciating difference, enjoying difference, celebrating difference, saying, what can I learn from this, from you, from, from anybody? Um, I, I think that that's fascinating. I, you know, I love talking to people. So, um, but, but yeah, and, and with Pluto and Chris, maybe, you know, liberating the individual person, um, from all this, all this, uh, I think the robots are taking our jobs. Well, you know, this, this may be about, um, it, 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 maybe we should take our jobs how about that maybe robots should take our jobs so that we can live our lives and not no. have to be slaves to computers how about the computers help us help us nicely don't take over like cyber cop but you know um, well, well and, and, and you know and maybe it's about universal basic income with pluto yeah. you know in this liberatory humanitarian sign of aquarius because the more that things are automated the more free time we're all gonna have Especially with the potential for a debt jubilee from Chiron in in uh, returning in Aries for the United States chart. So, yeah. Chris, how about um, just wrapping up the month? I know we said we have Ceres retrograde in Virgo, and I'm curious if you think that that kind of can sum up something for how we feel about or look at the month of March. Yeah, this is an interesting point for, for folks with anything in Virgo, um, anything in a late Virgo, early Libra, because Ceres has been um, was has been at late Virgo since early December. Um, so this this could this is this could be profoundly supportive, or it could be a, a Ceres does have that that flip side. So many of the archetypes are flip sides of one another. So this could be support, and it also could be loss, yeah. um, depending on what its aspect in the chart. Because Ceres goddess of grain she can give us great comfort great nurturing great sustenance but she can also cut down with the skype yeah. and and i've seen that as well um but but yes there is in 
uh, late Virgo, early Libra for, for quite some time and months now. And so I think people who have things in in these areas or sextile trying opposite these areas um, may be feeling some of these things either very supported, very, very comforted, very nurtured, or maybe they're dealing with some loss. Um, so it, it, in, in, uh, in a mundane sense, Aries and Virgo, maybe, you know, this is about the natural, our natural resources. Mm, that's a really good point. I think um, on a personal level, when something's retrograde, we have to rethink, um, you know, review, revise, revisit stories. And so I wonder if we revisit our stories of grief, revisit the stories of what has been taken from us. Uh, revisit the stories of all of the abundance that we've had in order to rethink how we want to continue to seed abundance and deal with the natural flow, whether it's the economy and the recession and saying there are times of abundance and um, uh, there are times that are, are fallow, right? There are times when we don't have the abundance of grain and we we grieve. We grieve many, many people. I feel like the pandemic has um, you know, an analogy I used recently was it's sort of like this slow leak, like in the ceiling, like it's just like a drip and a drip every person that we've lost. But it's like, it's not like, like when we started the pandemic, I at least thought, I don't know if others feel this way as well, but like there would be like an onslaught and like instantly half the population would be gone within three months. And that hasn't been the case. We've lost millions of people and it has just been like almost every day or every week like one two three four five six seven people a week and it's it's not necessarily everyone you know but you know people who have lost these people and it's almost like that slow drip and it's like having to replace the 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 bucket that like or the bowl that catches the water like every day and it's just like the sisyphean effort of continuing to like replace this bowl of the grief of everyone that we've lost and it's just completely draining to say like it's this cycle where it's like things feel okay feels like Persephone's home and we've got the harvest and then all of a sudden gone grief and and with Saturn moving into Pisces I think that that will help us to create new containers for our grief and um lake be more of and compassion yeah 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 lake of tears the series does feel like in Virgo does feel like Grief can sometimes be self-care, like allowing ourselves to feel grief, um, allowing ourselves to cry can be, to me, a way of honoring what we've lost. Yeah. Um, and knowing uh, that grief is all of the unexpressed love yeah. that uh, you weren't able to give the person who is, who's gone. And so we, we start out the month with, uh, with knowing that there's a wound, knowing our potential for healing, reevaluating, reevaluating our relationships, reevaluating our loyalty with uh, Juno, you know, perhaps some changes in our strategy, some changes in our, our home and our passion projects this month. Um, and then we, we get to also think about our resources and the things that uh, support us materially, financially, in order to have better relationships, rethinking uh, perhaps even what marriage is and why we do it and the economic aspects of it. And then finally, we're moving into technological and collective empowerment and new ways of looking at collective wealth and perhaps 
some debt relief coming our way. So that's how I would sum up March. How about you? I love it. I love it. I think this is a, it's a, it feels like there could be bright spot at the beginning of the month with this Venus Jupiter conjunction. Absolutely celebrate, savor the moment, um, enjoy your successes, celebrate whatever's making you happy and going well in your life early in the month. Um, but I do feel like there are, this is, there are choices here. This is, there's this, there's some serious, um, there's some self-searching, there's some, self-examination, introspection around what do we value? Are many is being met? Um, and and uh and and around the time of March 21, that new moon, I I I my sense of that is this it may be a time to make some changes. Yeah, because then we move into eclipse season. After that new moon, March 21st, we are officially in eclipse season because the lunation is over and eclipse season starts two weeks before the first eclipse, which will be two weeks after March 21st. Um so that's April 3rd-ish, 4th-ish, something like that. Uh, and uh, we'll be back next month to talk about April, eclipse season, and the goddesses again. So thank you, Chris, so much for being here. It's a big month. Let us know what you think in the comments. We'd love your questions, suggestions, and feedback. And we'll see you again. Yeah. Next I, I would just say one last thing. With the Jupiter Chiron this month, um, to... Uh, I would suggest people really take care of themselves, really be ultra gentle, really take the, take the, everything you need to heal, whatever makes you feel really good right now, do that. Um, uh, uh, don't, don't deny yourself um, self-care. Absolutely. Good advice. That's how we heal. Wonderful. Thank you for right. parting words of wisdom and we'll see you again next month. Thanks for tuning in. Bye now. If you enjoyed the episode, please take a second to rate and review. Each review helps us to find more heart-centered, forward-thinking folks just like you. Don't forget to take a screenshot, share it in your Instagram stories, and tag me at Taylor Schuler Astrology. If you're interested in an astrology consultation with me, you can book online at my website, taylorschuler.com. If you like my digs and you're looking for short-term furnished rentals because you're a digital nomad like me or just because, don't forget to use the link in the show notes or code Taylor underscore C6I at hellolanding.com for $250 off your rental. See you next week.